Hey, have you ever felt other because you're not a mother? Or wondered why motherhood and otherhood are the only defined options for womanhood? Want to feel whole no matter the fruit of your womb? Yeah, me too. It's time for a new paradigm. Are you ready? Welcome to Ladies Like Us. I'm your host, Linda Lysing. Join me as we swap those narrow definitions with real, diverse, and inclusive stories that dig into the full spectrum of mothering mojo, including motherhood missed, motherhood dissed. We're going to coach a little, empower a lot, ask the good questions, and massively celebrate life choices. So, whether you're childless, motherhood curious, ambivalent, child-free, or a self-defined mother of any kind, this space is for you. Sound good? Let's do it. Hello, Linda here, and welcome to a new episode of Ladies Like Us. So today we are continuing the conversation about life purpose. And so in today's show, I want to talk about how we perceive ourselves, because I think that this is a really important precursor to any kind of conversation that we can have about purpose. And so we're going to dive into that. And then at the very end, I'm going to share an exercise with you. Um, It's a really cool way to just train yourself how to perceive yourself. So please stick to the very end so you can uh, learn that exercise. Okay. All right. So uh, yeah, what's your life purpose? (laughs) I know, right? It's such a big question. It's like not really the stuff of small talk or casual conversations unless you're hanging out with me at the bar because <laughs> um, I'm not afraid of that conversation. But, you know, I get it. It's kind of big. And I think that's one reason that I am offering this um, episode as part two of Life Purpose for the Skeptical Soul I, not that like I feel like everyone's skeptical about this, but I think that when you throw around like, or you just hear it too much, it starts to lose its meaning. And I think I, I, I had shared before that I was kind of in that boat where I was like, oh, life's life purpose, you know, it just was too daunting. And so I could dismiss it. But now I'm, I'm really in, into it. So, so getting back to, what I really want to get into today about perceiving yourself. I think you just have to perceive yourself on some level to know what you're driven to in terms of purpose. Does that make sense? So let's look at your life on the physical plane, like the observable, measurable parts of your life. So like your resume, your bank account, how you've set things up, and how you're showing up. We can also think about your skill set, like you're really well-versed in XYZ, you have these gifts. A lot of these things give us a sense of ourselves, right? An identity, if you will, based on what we've created, how we operate on a day-to-day level. And um, with that, of course, is our physical perception of ourself, right? There's, that's at play as well. And so how our outward appearance and physical carriage supports us or maybe lets us down in what we wish to be, do, or have. 
still with me? (laughs) So if we're talking about soul purpose slash life purpose, like if we're talking about life purpose, we're basically invoking soul, are we not? Because if it was just, you know, the intersection of your skills and your machinery, you know, your body, that would be one thing. But then like, where, where does desire, where does passion, like, where do things like that come from? I would say it's soul, right? And so if this is true, then I think what we need here is a way to tap in or recognize what the soul is asking for. So let me give you an example. You've probably encountered conversations about the soul that point to why tapping into desire is actually healthy and positive. And why is this? I think that we are understanding that that's like your soul communicating with you, right? And so if it's the soul communicating with you, then desires can't be bad, right? And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes like when the word desire comes up, I mean, I think about I don't know, like the stuff that you want that's like you kind of know is bad for you, (laughs) as well as just pure like stuff that I consider to just be good because I want it, right? So it must be good because I want it. So yeah, like if it's your soul communicating with you, then your desires can't be bad, right? Wrong. Sorry. (laughs) So this is why some desires might not be for your highest good, but that's not necessarily your soul's fault. This is not like a devil on your shoulder situation, but a linguistic one, because it's your interpretation of that desire. The soul doesn't traffic in the same language that your brain does, your greedy little brain. (laughs) So you could say like, I want money, right? Like I want abundance. You know, I don't want to worry about money anymore. And, you know, you could stick up a liquor store and essentially get money, right? Like that's one way to get that done. So you you create more abundance than you had. But in doing it this way, you are creating scarcity. I mean, A, you might, you know, get arrested and, and, and get in trouble. But it's like the way you're executing this. You're pushing a way to win and you you create a lose for someone else, for one. And really you've kind of like robbed (laughs) um, yourself of getting it in a way that engages your, your creativity and your highest good. So in this way, you've kind of crossed your wires as to how to interpret a desire, right? And obviously like that's an extreme comical example, but maybe you can feel into where this might've happened for you and like what you actually did though it was based on a desire feeling that was kind of fine, right? Like neutral, like not bad intrinsically, you might've done a bad thing or a not so great thing. So again, um, going back to desire, you have to understand for one, like what part of you has this desire, right? And what is the fulfillment of that desire actually fulfilling. I know, just hold that thought for a second. What is the fulfillment of that desire actually fulfilling for you? So, you know, because this is uh, ladies like us, I'm going to bring it back to motherhood 
uh, for just a second. So think about, for instance, having a baby. It could be you desire connection, a kind of love that you haven't experienced before. Maybe you just simply know that part of your journey here on earth is to nurture another soul, right? And that is a beautiful awareness. But, you know, the specific way that most of us would act on that desire, the common pathway would then be to be a mother, to have a child, right? But let's just pause here for a second and understand that that's not like the only pathway to get that nurturing that your soul wants to do. As far as your soul's concerned, there are multiple ways to get there. So yeah, if you hear that desire spoken through you, you have options as to how to interpret this with your human life. I want to say that again. So if you hear a desire spoken through you, you have options as to how to interpret this with your human life, right? With your human capacities, your potentials, your capabilities. Now, I can dip a toe into the shadow side here and point out that sometimes the desire for a child can be very much a desire for achievement or a way to buy into the idea of having it all, um, you know, checking off these boxes. And, you know, if, if it feels like it's your soul's desire to have it all, then what would you actually want if you wanted just what your soul wanted? So what would happen if you actually just allowed yourself to want what your soul wanted and not just what spells success in human society? Interesting question, right? I know, <laughs> some food for thought here or a big ass buffet, <laughs> sorry. Um, let me bring us back to our point here. So how how do we perceive ourselves? Um, it's, a, it's a big question, right? It's a million dollar question, I think. And um, myself, I'm still, I'm still learning this. I'm still dealing with this, trying to figure out what's, what feels right for me. I think that part of it is that there's the veil. I don't know if you've ever heard that concept. Like we, we don't remember where we're from, our, our source, our divinity, or like past lives. If, if, you know, you believe that, um, because there's a veil and most people can't tap past, like can't see past that veil. So it's like, we're just new. So we're born and whatever like primordial stew of wisdom and divinity from which we come we don't remember it. We're, we're blurred. We arrive here like blind, mewing baby mammals looking for food and comfort and, and kind of helpless, right? And it takes us a while to tap in. And I, I think that it's very possible we're tapped in at different junctures in our life. Maybe even as a baby, maybe, maybe we cry because of the separation. I don't know. <laughs> or because life is so different and uncomfortable after we get out of the womb. But either way, I think life is a kind of uncovering and discovery of who we are and of our mission and purpose. It's uncovering our divine nature. So yeah, if we allow ourselves to be mastering what it is to 
be that being like that is connected to our God or our source, the part of us that will get called home, say, right? I just find that to be such fascinating and worthwhile work. To live is to slowly be born. Um, the man that wrote The Little Prince, that was a quote from him, and I love that. I really feel that, that truth every day. So, all right. So without delay, let me, let me share the promised exercise. I learned this from Dr. Sue Mortar, who has written a brilliant book called The Energy Codes, and um, highly, highly recommend it, picking it up. And this is just a very fundamental practice, uh, something to kind of kickstart your journey with connecting to your soulful self and getting out of the protective personality, so to speak. That's, that's her language. So this um, exercise is called uh, subject, object, subject. Okay. And what you're going to do is simply get into position and find an object in your, in the room that is just like five feet away from you or so. And you just want to fixate on it. Like tune everything else out and like throw your energy into it. Like memorize it, outline it. Um, I always like to say like, act like you can, with the power of your energy alone, you can make it levitate or change shape. Like just invest all of your energy into it. I'm just going to leave you there and just breathe. Don't forget to breathe as you do this. Just keep investing, keep investing. Okay, and so now I want you to take that and literally drop that into your own body. Close your eyes, drop that into your own body and just notice how it feels. Notice how it, that energy is all of a sudden filling up your, your insides your being. And then I invite you to kind of go ahead and, and almost be the being that's peering out from your eyes, like the mask of your face, the person that's peering out from your eyes, those windows, be that being. Cool, right? So it's called subject, object, subject. And I actually really love it. It's SOS. <laughs> so it's a good way to remember it. Um, so we are taught to be objective, right? Versus subjective. I remember that lesson. And it's funny because, yeah, it's so virtuous to be objective. Now here, I just want to point out that, you know, we are fixated on object versus ourselves. We are subject. And what this means is that we're really hooked into what's going on around us. We're hooked into the stories. We're hooked into like, you know, our own significance and how we solve problems, how we, you know, how we orchestrate things. And so we're, we're constantly reacting to things around us. And what this does is like it really disperses our energy. So our energy is all scattered about. So when we teach ourselves to fixate on a thing and then bring it back home, 
eventually you just want to be able to bring it all back home. So just constantly come back to awareness of subject, of the soul, of the, of the being within. So, you know, um, even if you're skeptical <laughs> about this soul stuff, I just invite you to try this exercise because just the energy doesn't lie. I mean, you feel the energy of someone walking into a room who's angry, right? You've heard that before. Um, you know, energy's real. And this is a way to understand where your energy is, how to bring it, gather it back up and anchor in. And so be the being that is doing what you're doing versus not even knowing where you are and being really hooked into your story about what you're seeing or other people's stories, right? So it's a way to definitely anchor in and and be the you that is being in your life and being deliberate about your life. So, all right, I leave you with that. I hope you enjoyed the exercise and I will see you soon. Here's the thing. You don't know what you don't know, right? We didn't know growing up as little girls that this reward that we get for being attentive to others is kind of a trap and that in the end, it scatters all our energy about. It keeps us really hooked into all the stories around us. It makes us feel needed, but also kind of taken um, our energy stolen. And who needs that? So step one to reclaiming your power, gather it back, bring it back home. Use the exercise I showed you, subject, object, subject. Throw it onto an object outside of you and then bring it back to subject. Whenever you kind of lose that path, bring it back, bring it back to subject. The subject is you, queen. I believe in you. And uh, until next time, stay amazing.